And the more you know who you are and what you want, the less you let things upset you. Welcome to the Postmillennial Podcast. This is your host, Harrison Holland. Before we get into the content of today's episode, I would like to remind you to think skeptically about what is said here by myself or anyone featured on the show. This podcast is intended to be an open forum where important ideas can be honestly discussed. Nothing said here should be taken to be the final word or opinion on any given matter. And to keep the conversation here healthy, it's also important that everyone involved steelman the ideas of one another, which is to say that we are communicating and dealing with the most charitable interpretations of each other's ideas and arguments. This is ultimately how productive and meaningful conversations actualize and will continue to do so. So without further preamble, here's the latest episode of the Postmillennial Podcast. So today I'm going to be talking about artificial intelligence in the context of education. And more specifically, I'm going to be answering the question, uh, should artificial intelligence be grading essays or papers? And I was turned on to this specific question uh, because in one of my courses, uh, this technology is being used. And when I found this out on the first day of the class, I definitely had conflicting emotions about it. And I'm answering the specific question, should AI grade papers rather than should AI be used in education? Because AI is used in education, and I think there is the obvious application of uh, just more or less computers grading multiple choice exams. And uh, the use of a computer there or a narrow AI makes perfect sense because it just makes uh, the process of grading those tests and quizzes or what have you uh, just more efficient by the order of a magnitude, if not more. And it doesn't actually take anything away from the students because with multiple choice, you either got it right or you didn't. Uh, and there's no, there's no room for interpretation. So its application there makes sense. Um, I think a more interesting question in that regard to ask would be, is multiple choice really the best way to test students? Uh, to which I think the obvious answer is no, but then there's also the technical issue of it's just hard to grade so many students, um, and it is the most efficient way to yield uh, this similar testing results uh, but I'll avoid that uh, going on a tangent about multiple choice and and really get into the question of should AI be grading papers. And as I said, this is something um, that was just, that was new to me this year. I've never had this in a class before. Um, it could be just bias on my part. I went to a small private school where uh, teachers grading papers was just the standard, like there's no need for it just because there's so few students. But my understanding is this is new to a lot of people. Uh, unless you've taken the essay portion of the SAT, uh, my understanding is most people haven't had this used on their papers before. So uh, we're going to get into all of that. 
but before I say anything else, I do want to distinguish between narrow AI and kind of more broad general AI. So narrow AI is something uh, that is implemented and used everywhere. Um, and essentially, it is just a computer uh, focusing on a specific task that it just does uh, infinitely better than any person could. So the search engine on on Google, that is a narrow AI, right? Another clear-cut example of an AI that we all are in close proximity to all the time would be like the algorithm that is selecting uh, content to show you in your suggested feed on YouTube. And that is actually a more general AI than say like a search engine um, and, and what makes it more general is this is that it requires less input so a search engine it requires a human to kind of guide it so you have to put in specific input and it will yield X results um, and it will show you what it thinks you want to see so you put something in Google and it shows you you know thousands of results and it shows you in the top three or four what it thinks you want to see uh, so that is an intelligence and it's going through the internet and finding all of the different content that it thinks you may want to see based off what you put in so so what makes say YouTube's algorithm more general is that it requires less input so it's not that you're selecting specific things and it's uh, yielding a result based off what you put in. Um, but what it is doing is it's reading. So like what kind of videos are you looking up and then based off tags and then videos you have watched or clicked to watch next, it is selecting what it thinks you'll want to watch. And it is a self-improving AI. So it learns and gets better at doing this to the point now where YouTube's suggested feed can actually capture your attention for an extended period of time. And I think people are finding, and I would, this is purely anecdotal, but I would include myself in these numbers that, you know, I found myself uh, becoming caught in the YouTube loop, right, where you just end up watching videos for much longer than you intended to. And the same thing goes with Twitter and Instagram. So it is catering your feed based off what it thinks you want to see. And it is, in fact, very, very good at this. And this is a more general self-improving AI. Um, and I think what makes an AI more and more general uh, is its capacity to process information independent of any input from a human being um, to the point where I think the most general case of AI is you, you get an entity that can act on its own and learn and improve upon itself. And, and that is the case of the truest AI. Of course, uh, we're not going to be diving into that, but I do think it is an important distinction to make off the bat. So I guess the fine point to uh, press upon here uh, to make the distinction is AI with the ability to solve new problems 
uh, isn't narrow. So a general AI or artificial general intelligence is an AI that can learn to solve problems um, uh, through information processing on its own without uh, human input, without a human telling it how to solve a problem or programming it to solve new problems. It is actually altering its own code uh, and becoming more competent and able to solve new problems. This is quote-unquote machine learning. I make this lengthy distinction to say that an AI that narrowly grades essays, this is a narrow AI. It isn't all cl at all clear to me that this is something that is improving upon itself. Um, it appears, and I don't want to say this is concrete, um, so please take this for what it's worth. The AI that Pearson, so the educational company, they write textbooks and make software and all this great stuff for schools, uh, high school, college, and otherwise. Uh, the, the artificial intelligence they have implemented is a narrow one. Uh, from what I can tell, again, take that with a grain of salt. I'm not sure uh, what ability this software has to improve itself. And there really isn't actually a lot of information on the internet about this. Uh, so it is a narrow AI. And this AI, so what does that mean? What's the significance? to uh, students having their essays graded. It is significant because this AI is programmed to grade you in a very specific way. And I think regardless of how good it is at doing uh, what it's told to do, I, th I think there is the issue of is it forcing... Uh, you as a student to write more analytically than you otherwise would have wanted to, uh, because in, in writing there are just there are so many styles. There is the more concise A to B style writing, so just trying to get as much information in as short of sentences as possible. Uh, so quite dense and just analytical, I would say. So this is like how most textbooks are written. Um, but then there, there are people who write more eloquently, more lengthy, and who don't necessarily make immediately obvious, explicit points. They actually uh, imply many things, and they write in a way that requires you to actually think about what they're saying and use different figures of speech, like metaphors, many philosophers use analogies uh, incredibly effectively and it actually is can be far superior than writing in a more kind of bland analytical way uh, and it isn't obvious to me at this point that this software uh, is capable of understanding these different styles um, and I don't want to say in principle that it couldn't uh, but from what I understand about the field that is that this technology is nowhere near being able to appreciate anything truly creative. To really narrow down on this point, I'm going to use a specific quote from a book written by Christopher Hitchens. It's a short uh, few sentences. And again, the point I really want to narrow down on is that uh, 
a more long-winded, less direct style of writing can actually be so much more enjoyable for a person to read. And and Christopher Hitchens, uh, you may or not may or may not be familiar with him. He passed away uh, some years ago, but he really was a great writer, and he really never got straight to the point in his sentences. He really uh, made his books much longer than they needed to be, but that was what was so great about him. He did this so well, and he made it so fun and interesting, and his, his writing style was truly unique. And I'm almost certain that any AI that may or may not have graded one of his nonfiction books, which he did write nonfiction, uh, I don't think an AI could really appreciate this and almost certainly wouldn't um, given the technology we have now. Again, to narrow down on this point, I have a short quote from Christopher Hitchens' book, Mortality. In one way, I suppose, I've been in denial for some time, knowingly burning the candle at both ends and finding that it often gives a lovely light. But for precisely that reason, I can't see myself smitting my brow with shock or hear myself whining about how it's all so unfair. I've been taunting the reaper into taking a free scythe in my direction, and have now succumbed to something so predictable and banal that it bores even me. If you're unfamiliar with Hitch, uh, you should know that my reading that quote doesn't even do it ultimate justice, but is nonetheless a beautiful piece of writing and Hitch was a great writer. Uh, The point I was hoping to make in sharing this quote is that uh, this style of writing where you aren't necessarily explicit in what you're saying, you're not precise, but truly eloquent and long-winded and and I think in this specific case this was a really beautiful quote. Um, a really impactful quote, but it was not by any means explicit or analytical in nature. He used way more words than he needed to to make the point. And I, I think in some cases that can be annoying and unnecessary and kind of a, a poor style of writing where you get, I guess, jargony and using unnecessarily large words. But um the way this was written, again, is just truly a beautiful quote. And what my concern with this AI business in grading essays is that it's obvious that it's looking for this analytical style of writing, and I think it takes away from students who uh, do write not necessarily in an identical style to Christopher Hitchens, say, but do write very nice sentences that just happen to be uh, less concise in nature and make important points in a more interesting way. Because again, I don't think people want to read the most concise form of everything all the time, right? We, We hash these ideas out and we use different forms of grammar and we use different forms of speech to make these points. And when we use these AIs to get people to write in the most concise way possible, again, my fear is that 
we're just incentivizing something we might not necessarily want to incentivize all the time. And even in the context of courses where uh, you might think to write almost purely analytically would be the better thing to do, right? Uh, So like in a business course or like a logic course. But even then, I think you're still losing something. I think until a computer can appreciate this, you know, creative, the more creative ways of writing, again, something is being lost because a teacher can sit down and read a paper and uh, acknowledge that it might not be as analytical or as concise as they wanted, but it makes points and it makes them well. And a computer that is looking for specific data points might not, almost certainly wouldn't be able to appreciate this fact. And I don't think we want a fleet of people writing in a boring, mundane way. I really don't think we want that. Um, And again, that's independent of where the technology is at. Even if you have this technology set uh, perfectly to grade papers in this analytical way, I'm not sure we would even want that. If you have an AI that can actually appreciate some creative touch to writing, then I think there's a, a better case for using it. But I think in principle... It might be risky to use even an an ideal technology, again, in the context of of a narrow AI looking for analytical, concise papers that just get to the point. So I would say, in summary, uh, again, in principle, I think if you can get these uh, artificial intelligences to appreciate and, and recognize creative writing, then I think there's a case for using it. But we are not cl- even close to having technology that can do that. I can say this confidently um, because now we're getting to the uh, in-practice problems. Uh, is this technology really there yet and ready to be used? And I'm going to going to use kind of an anecdotal case against the technology. Um, So please take it for what it's worth and be skeptical of everything I'm saying. But this technology isn't perfect yet. It isn't working, I would even say, particularly well yet. And I'm going to explain to you my short-lived experiences so far with this technology. So in this class I'm in, uh, it's business day one, we had to write an essay about business ethics and social responsibility. Um, Ethics um, and morality generally, uh, even in the context of business, is not a simple topic to write about. It's not necessarily easy to write a a purely analytical paper about this topic, right? Um, Moral philosophy, I think, You have to use a lot of analogies. You have to use different figures of speech that, again, aren't necessarily concise and analytical in nature, although I think analogies can be. Um, And and it is a business paper, but 
at any rate, it is asking questions about ethics and social responsibility, and they're not these uh, are not easy questions to answer necessarily if you want to answer them well. Um, but regardless of the question, I wrote the essay, and how this technology works um, is you get five feedback opportunities so you can write up a draft get feedback and then change the draft get more feedback uh, and so on you get five tries and then you just have to submit it and you won't be able to get feedback until you get your final grade so I wrote up the paper and got the feedback and I did that you know several times uh, and then I turned it in and in this process uh, I found the feedback to be incredibly frustrating because this was the extent of the feedback. And I'm going to explain this as concisely as I can. Uh, you get feedback based off five metrics. Development of ideas, organization, conventions, voice, and then focus and coherence. And the feedback was a number out of four, right? So you either got a one out of four, a two out of four, a three out of four, or a four out of four. Um, and this feedback is useless, uh, especially because no matter how many changes uh, you make, you just get a three out of four, right? And, you know, of course, there's the problem of just bias. Like, maybe I wasn't writing particularly well. Um, and, and, of course, that is, that is a problem, um, and maybe that's true. But I did consult with other students, and this was the case for everyone. Three out of four. The first uh, time they wrote it, after their last chance to make edits, just three out of four every time. And I was actually the only person I know of to get a four out of four on any of the metrics, and that was just on focus and coherence. And I couldn't even point to what changes I made to get that four. Um, and everyone turns a paper in. Almost everyone got a 75%. I somehow scraped away with an 80%. Uh, and, and everyone was frustrated, to say the least, and justifiably so. And the teacher was told, and he, and he said, well, if this is the case for everyone, then I'm just going to curve the grade. Um, and now this just seems like a disaster insofar as this is just going to, this has become a way for teachers not to grade papers. And again, like I'm all in favor of making teachers' jobs easier. Like I don't think we want to make teachers' jobs more difficult than they really need to be. But in this case, this seems like it will lead to grade inflation um, because I think there's no way that everyone in the class was writing uh, papers on the same level. There were better and worse Papers, this is just the rule of numbers. Not everyone is going to write the same paper. People have different styles. People will have had more and less experience. People will be turning in different papers. And so if everyone gets a 75%, well, then they're going to have to curve the grade, right? Then everyone, say, gets a 95%. Uh, and, the, and the problem with that is grade inflation. And grade inflation is a very real problem. Um, and in the United States, the, the national average uh, grade point average has been 
steadily increasing. So this is on the high school level and in, in public schools. Uh, we're getting better and better at telling ourselves that we're just, you know, we're doing fine and we're doing well, right? Um, and I guess if you're a student that uh, doesn't work maybe as hard, that's exciting, like woohoo, like an opportunity to get a better grade and not necessarily do as much work. Uh, but for the for a student that works hard and wants to do well on these sorts of assignments, uh, I think this is frustrating and it is taking away something from the class because you're not getting really unique or kind of catered feedback. You're getting a number that says three out of four. And I think if this technology was maybe a little more advanced and it could give you more precise feedback and and just helpful feedback rather than a number, then I would be more in favor of it and maybe use this technology in conjunction with teachers reading over it and giving you specific feedback. Um, I could see using it just checking for like simple errors and I could see how a narrow AI might would definitely be better than a teacher at finding grammatical errors and uh, other specific metrics like some of the metrics used by this AI, like focus and coherence maybe. Um, but I'm not really sure how how it is measuring voice. And it's saying tone is natural and appropriate. Response displays audience awareness. Um, that just seems strange to me. And again, it was incredibly frustrating. And this is these are some of the problems in practice that um, that the technology just might not be there. And even if it is there, it obviously isn't being applied particularly well. Like again, this is just not helpful feedback. And I am not alone in this. I don't, and I'm. I feel like most people would agree. Maybe I'm wrong, but a number like three out of four, just it's just so broad, right? So you get a three out of four on development of ideas. What does that mean? Where should I go back and specifically make changes? And you just aren't getting that sort of feedback at all. And then again, you're having the grades curved, and then before you know it, everyone is just getting A's on these papers. Um, and and it's it's frustrating to see this happening. Um, and again, I'm I'm not wanting to just smother professors with more work. I think just teachers generally, it's an underappreciated job and an underpaid job, especially at the high school level. But we don't. I don't think we should be lightening teachers' workload at the expense of the quality of education, or at the very least, not doing this so radically. Because we do do this, right? Multiple choice exams, they kind of, they get, yield similar results, um, but I think it's obvious that it just is not as effective as maybe just having written tests or actually, you know, writing down answers or essay questions. And I know students typically prefer multiple choice, but that's because it's easier. Uh, and it, and I, that is an example of, you know, making a teacher's job easier. Uh, and I don't think in that case it's as radical. 
I don't think you're losing too much. Like you can still learn with multiple choice tests and and grade students fairly accurately. But with with an AI that's going to give everyone 75 to 80% and then everyone is curved, that is just strikes me as completely just wrong and uh, so far from ideal and it's really coming at the expense of the students um, and just as someone who has written an essay in this way and, and been graded on it um, it is incredibly frustrating and I feel like I'm losing something I'm not actually gaining much from writing these essays I'm finding myself writing an essay merely trying to write what I think the computer wants. And I guess a lot of people do that uh, when writing an essay for teachers, but I, I think at some level you can be more genuine. So that's more or less all I have to say on this topic. It's an interesting topic, and um, my opinion here is by no means final. In this podcast, I really was just thinking out loud and kind of stating what I think could be um, potential problems, again, in practice and in principle. Uh, but it's not final, my opinion here, and I'm open to new ideas. And I think you should take everything I say and, and think about it skeptically. Think about counter arguments to what I'm saying, because this is a, a new field, really, artificial intelligence, and has really come onto the scene in the last you know, four or five years. There have been public intellectuals thinking about uh, the concern of AI uh, more broadly and in different contexts. And um, I think this ground is interesting because it is inevitable that AI, I think, is going to be used in a plethora of different fields. And I think its application in education is going to be interesting to see how that plays out. And it is kind of incredible that we are seeing it used in a a way I think that um, 10 or 15 years ago, no one uh, might have anticipated. I mean, who would have guessed that computers would be grading essays in 2018? So, so that's pretty much all I have today. Again, this is just me really thinking out loud about this topic. Uh, if you've listened this far, thanks so much for tuning in. You can find me on the Post Millennial Podcast and the Marquette Podcast at this moment, and that will be on marquettewire.org. And then the Post Millennial Podcast, you can find that on iTunes and Stitcher. So again, thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, keep thinking skeptically and discussing important ideas. Thanks so much and have a good one.